Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. I kind of feel like I don't even need to preach now. I feel like Holy Spirit's already shown up, done my job. I just need to go home. Uh, I'll try not to get in the way. I will. I'll try not to get in the way. Um, thank you so much for being uh, sensitive. Sensitive is the word. Sensitive to the Spirit's leading. Um, for those of you who, who uh, don't believe that He does that, you're wrong. Um, and uh, He does lead. And uh, every time He leads me to do something like that, I never want to do it. Uh, I'm like, oh, this is going to be awkward. And uh, Dan may be mad at me for messing up the song and what's going to happen. And none of that's true. That's all a lie. Um, and the enemy, that's what the enemy would want. So thank you so much for being open and sensitive to the word. I'm just crazy enough to think that he's not done yet. Today, he's not done yet. I know he's not done yet in life, but I'm just sensitive and crazy enough to think he's not done yet today. So, hey, listen, you guys, uh, one of my, back in the 90s, uh, I w- I'll never forget this. I was sitting uh, at a hunting camp with my, my dad uh, and my brother, my brother Jeff, and uh, they had a cassette tape player, don't judge me, uh, they had a cassette tape player, and it was over in the corner, and my dad said, hey, uh, can we hear that Friends in Low Places song again? And I was like, what is it that thou art speaking of, Friends in Low Places? Uh, I, didn't know, I didn't know what it was, uh, and he played the song Friends in Low Places, and I was like, who's that? My brother said, man, that's Garth Brooks. You haven't heard of Garth Brooks? And I was like, no, but I want to hear more, right? And so I did. I started listening to that, and uh, that was in my country phase. I had just left my 80s rap phase and going into the country phase, all right? I left the LL Cool J phase and went straight in to the Garth Brooks phase. So uh, I did, and I ended up uh, listening to Garth Brooks some, and then I saw a special a Garth Brooks special, and it was an interview, and he was talking about the energy, and the energy that he brought to concerts, and I kind of got jealous. I was like, man, I want to go see a Garth Brooks concert. I really do, and one of the things he said that perked my interest is, is he said, well, I was a big Kiss fan, and I wanted my shows to be like a Kiss show, right? Kiss, the band Kiss, the paint, and all that stuff. Well, I was like, wow, Garth, it just so happens that I too am a big KISS fan, and I want to see you do a show like KISS, although I'd never seen KISS in concert. I do want to do a caveat and say, fast forward, I did see KISS in concert. Wasn't that good. Let's go back to the Garth Brooks concert, all right? So I I decided I was going to go to a Garth Brooks concert. So it just so happens that Garth Brooks was more, he, he cherished his tickets more than I did. Are you with me? And I, at the time, could not afford to go to a Garth Brooks concert. As a matter of fact, it took me another 20 or so years to end up going to a Garth Brooks concert. And the expectations that I had for the Garth Brooks concert were through the roof. I had high expectations because everyone had said, including him, that he puts on this magnificent, incredible show. And it was okay. It was, it was okay. No, I'm not talking about the second one. I'm talking about the first one. It was okay. 
it wasn't, here, here's the thing, it was good, okay? It was not, it did not meet or exceed the level at which I had put it in my mind. That's what it wasn't. It did not. However, there was one concert that I went to, and they had said, this is one of the best concerts ever. This is the best showman ever. This is, you are going to love this. And I, again, got my hopes up. And I sat down, and I listened to, for three hours, the Eagles. And they far exceeded my expectations. I did eight harmonies on Seven Bridges Road. Okay? I was doing it. I was. I, it, it was an incredible concert. And I did pay uh, about $500 per ticket. I did not. I would never pay $500 a ticket. Unless it's to a Tennessee game, and then I may. Um, I, I did pay a lot for the ticket. And the, I actually had to serve popcorn at intermission. I was, I, I was up there at the very top. It was very cheap tickets. Uh, for that, it was like 175, 180 bucks, but I, I ended up loving the concert. It exceeded my expectations. There was a moment where there was a 10-minute interlude, and the only thing it was was a guy playing a trumpet in the back. He was like up in the very back, and he was playing a trumpet. And I'm like, I don't know where this is going, but I'm on the boat for the ride, man. And it went right into Hotel California. And I was so, I was like, oh my gosh, somebody just killed me now. I mean, I'm, I'm, this seriously, I've, I've lived. I've sufficiently lived. I can exit stage left. It exceeded my expectations. You know, sometimes things don't even measure up to your expectations. They don't. And sometimes, sometimes we get something in our minds that is one way. And in reality, it's, it's, it's a lot less than you really thought. And I, I want to talk to you today about someone that actually was the opposite. He, he actually exceeded the expectations for which he had claimed to be. And that's where we're going to be at, starting in John chapter 9. John chapter 9, starting in verse 1. Now don't forget, the book is separated into two parts. John chapter 9 is part of the book of signs, and we're going to see one of those signs today. John chapter 9. John chapter 1 through 12 is the book of signs. John chapter 13 through 21 is the book of glory. We have a verse that we've read every single week, and here it is. The verse is this. This is why the book was written. It's, but these are written, it's in John chapter 20, verse 31, but these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have what? You will have life. And I tell you this every week, he says, you will have life by the power of his name. And I tell you this because I want you to know, he's not just talking about eternal life, he's talking about life here on earth as well. Life here on earth as well. And we're going to see what he does today. Now usually what I do is, is I read the scripture and then I explain the scripture. Today I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to walk through the scriptures with you, okay? I'm going to walk through the scriptures with you. And so we're going to start in verse 1. And it says this, it says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? I want you to understand something. Back then, 
they thought that if you had some kind of disability or you had some kind of affliction, the affliction or the disability was directly related to either a sin that you had done or a sin that your parents had passed down to you through the generations. Now, of course, this wasn't necessarily true. I will say there are sins that you can commit that the direct result of the sin is, is some kind of disability, and we've seen that in people's lives, where they were living this kind of life, they took this drug, they did this or they did that, and all of a sudden, their lives were changed forever. This particular situation, we know that that was not true, and the reason we know is because Jesus says this in verse 3, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the task assigned by us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. So Jesus says this. He says, I want you to understand something. This is not the case. No, he was, this occurred, and we see it. This occurred so that God's power could be seen in him. Now, this reflects Exodus 9.16. I think we have Exodus 9.16 up here. Exodus 9.16. I think we have it. I hope we have it. Do we have it? We do have it. But I have spared you for a purpose. I have spared you for a purpose. And what is the purpose? Why did he spare them? Here's why he spared them. To show you my power, and by showing you my power... It will spread my fame throughout the earth. People want to know why the chosen people of Israel were called the chosen people. Here's why they were called the chosen people. They were chosen to show the fame and the power of God and what God can do in a small nation so that their holiness, that their obedience, when they're obedient, that God would shower them and that people from all over the world would come and see the greatness of God. That's why they were chosen. They also were chosen to bring forth the Messiah. They were chosen, they were a chosen group to bring forth the Messiah. And we see that started as early as Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, whenever the prophecy is made about Jesus coming, the first one ever written in the text of the scripture. So we see that And we know that, by the way, little caveat, your life and my life are supposed to show the greatness and the power of God so that other people around our world can also see the greatness and the glory of God and then would come to God. Your life is supposed to be a testimony to the power of God in how you live and the way you act. Verse 6. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the man's eyes. And he told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam meant sent. So the man went ahead and washed, and he came back seeing. Can we say something here? Gross. I mean, can you imagine Jesus talking to Lugie, right, in the dirt, rolling it up and said, let me heal those eyes. And the guy would be going, what's he doing? What, what's he doing here? What am, what am I doing here? What, what? And he rubs it all on his eyes. 
So what you need to know is, is back then, they felt, they thought, they thought, and the, and the people thought this, and the reason Jesus did it this way, he knew better, but the reason he did it this way, they thought that saliva, your saliva of healthy person, when passed to an unhealthy person, would heal them. They thought your saliva was good, my saliva's bad, and that'll heal them. That's icky. It's just gross. It just is. By the way, I don't want you to miss the point about the pool. The pool is referred to as scent. So I want you to get this for a second, all right? Jesus was sent by God. And the blind man was sent by the one that was sent to go to sent to receive the healing. I want you to hear this again. Jesus, Jesus was sent by God, and the blind man was sent by the one that was sent to go to sent to receive the healing. This should give you images, if you know your Bible, to 2 Kings, when Nahum comes and he's going to be, he, he wants to be healed of the leprosy. And, 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 and the prophet says, go to the river and dip yourself seven times and be healed. And so he, he, he was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I, I thought you would come out and greet me on your own. And, and the, luckily the servant said, hey, listen, if they asked you to do an easy thing, you'd, you know, if they asked you to do a hard thing, you'd have done it. But he's asking you to do an easy thing here. And so Jesus is saying, go dip yourself in that which is called sin. Go dip yourself. And it says the man came back healed. Now, there's something else to know about this pool of uh, it's Shiloh and also Siloam. Let's look at it in Isaiah 8.6. Isaiah 8.6. Isaiah 8.6 says this. It says, My care for the people of Judah is like the gentle flowing waters of Shiloh. That is also known as Siloam. But they have rejected it. So here's the question. Jesus has offered this man to have mud on his eyes and go to the pool. The man does not reject it. He goes to the pool, and because of his obedience, he is then healed. So after we see him come back, there's an interesting thing that takes place. There's actually three interrogations here. There's three interrogations, and I want to look at those, each one. So let's, let's pick up where we left off, starting in verse 8. <clears throat> His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? And some said he was, and others said, No, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, Yes, I'm the one. And they asked, Who healed you? What happened? And I, he told them, The man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. Where is he now, he asked. I don't know, he replied. And this, is, this part right here reminds me, I'm on the board of an HOA, and this reminds me of being on the board of an HOA. Then they took the man who had been blind to see the Pharisees. I feel like a Pharisee sometime on the HOA board. Because it was on the Sabbath, they had broken a rule, that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. 
And the Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, he put mud over my eyes, and when I washed it, and away so I could see. And some of the Pharisees said, this man, Jesus, is not from God. He's working on the Sabbath. And others said, but how can an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? And there was a deep division of opinion among them. Then the Pharisees questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, what is your opinion of this man who healed you? And the man replied, I think he must be a prophet. I'm going to stop there. Nosy neighbors. Nosy neighbors. Everybody's out, they're hanging out, you know, they're edging their yard and weed eating, and all. they're not doing any of that, but they are hanging out. And this guy comes up and they're like, hey, isn't that old Joe Schmo over there? Uh, he couldn't see this morning. What's going on? And then other, then one neighbor called. My grandmother used to do that. She used to, she had a, my grandmother had a phone cord that would reach from here to Noonan, all right, and it would be wrapped through the house. And she would sit there and she would talk about every one of her neighbors. And then her, here's what she would do: she would talk about all of her neighbors. And then a neighbor would call and she was like, "Oh, how are you doing?" And then she would talk about the person that she was just talking to about that person. She would talk about them again. And that was a reciprocal thing that happened every Saturday morning after the square dance on Friday night. She would literally call and talk about how people acted at the square dance. She would say, did you see what she was wearing? Did you see how many times she danced with so-and-so? You know they're not married. She said that over and over again. Nosy neighbors. And that's what you have here. You have nosy neighbors. And they're like, hey, you broke a rule. I get those sometimes. I get emails, and they're like, hey, I don't want to cause any harm or anything, but I just want you to know my next-door neighbor, they don't have their trash can where it needs to go. Send. And I'm like, well, why don't you just go tell them, hey, maybe your trash can needs to go over there. No. You do it. Okay. All right. So there's an interrogation. And so the neighbors came and took the blind man, and they went, to saw, the, they went and saw the Pharisees. And here's the thing, because of legalism, because of legalism, it was on the Sabbath, verse 14 says. They spoke to the man, and they said, Jesus isn't from God. And the man said, uh, he must be a prophet because I, 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 this is all what happened. And so the neighbors all went, oh, did you hear what he said? Yeah, I heard what he said. I know, right? I can't believe it. And so the neighbors were like, well, we're not getting in trouble. I'm going back to my house. And they all left. So then the Pharisees took it a step further. Interrogation number two. Let's start in verse, let's see, in verse 18. The Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been born blind and now could see. So they called his parents. And here's what the parents' response, I'll talk about it in a second, but it's so typical of parents, especially parents of older children. They asked them, is this your son? He was born blind. If so, how can he see? His parents replied, we know this is our son and that he was born blind. I'm really surprised they actually claimed him. Uh, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. And the parents said this because they were afraid of Jewish leaders who would announce that anyone saying Jesus was Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said, he is old enough. Ask him. I want to fast forward to second grade for my son Blake. Let's go in reverse. 
we have a conference. And we all came in. And Blake sat by this little girl. And Blake was a gross kid, man. He was a gross little kid. He really was. He really was. I love him. Thank God for him now. But, and some of you guys have gross little kids, and I have to send you texts and say, look, this is how it turns out most of the time, so don't worry about it. You're good, all right? So we go, and they had to take their chairs and put them on the, on the desk because it had to be really nice for everybody to walk around. And every chair was clean except for my son's. My son had gum and other things that you can probably figure out stuck under that chair. There was a lot of them. And I have to be honest with you, because the little girl was looking at me, and she was looking at the desk. And she was looking at me like, do you see what I put up with every day? And I was sitting there, and everything within me wanted to start walking over to another kid and act like Uncle Barry to that kid. And people were walking by, and they were like, oh, my God, whose is that? And I was like, ask him. He's old enough. And so we had a talk about boogies and gum and everything else that evening. And I said, son, and I told his teacher, I said, he'll come clean it off. And he did, he cleaned it off. I think it didn't last, though, to be honest with you. But I, I can feel the pain of these, uh, of these parents, you know. I can feel the pain of these parents. You know, when your kid gets in, tr- kid gets in trouble or the kid does something, Blake won an entire season. We talked about this yesterday. I went and visited him yesterday. We talked about this. Blake, Blake played on a baseball team that they came out, and the first pitch of the first guy, the guy gets up there, they throw the pitch, the guy gets clocked in the head. Every kid after that never even swung the bat. Blake won a whole season playing baseball, and never the bat never left his shoulder. He would just stand there. And I would work with him, and in the yard, I would throw him balls, wha-bam, wha-bam. He put that uniform on, man, and it was like he was, a, he was frozen. And he looked like he was happy about it. And I heard whispers, whose kid is that that won't swing the bat? I'm like, I don't know. But he looks a lot like his mom. And he acts a lot like his mom. We get the... the these, these parents are going, hey, look, we love you, bud, and we're glad you're healed and stuff, but we don't want to make those guys mad because they're going to kick us out. So they were like, hey, ask that person. He knows. He already knows. So then it comes to the third interrogation. By the way, the third interrogation is my favorite interrogation. As a matter of fact, it's one of my favorite scriptures that, that, that really encapsulates what God does for you and I. So for the second time they called the man, this is verse 24, they called the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man Jesus is a sinner. And here it is. I love this. Circle this. 25 is the verse. I don't know whether he's a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. Here it is. I was blind and now I see. I don't know about all this sinner stuff. I don't know about what you're saying, but what I do know is this. I was blind, but now I see. But what did he do, they asked? 
How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once. See, now a man's got an attitude. You know what I'm saying? Not that our kids ever got an attitude because they were like, gosh, mom and dad threw me to the wolves. Well, I'm going to get an attitude. And he did. He got an attitude. Didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? And here it is. This is where he gets him in trouble. Do you want to become his disciple too? Then they cursed him and said, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Well, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, yet you don't know where he comes from. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. And then 34 says, and here it is, this is what they believed. Remember the first question by the disciples? You were born a total sinner, they answered. And you're trying to teach us? And at that, they threw him out of the synagogue. The third interrogation of the blind man. The third time he got an attitude. The third time he became more impassioned and more emboldened. The third time he began. At the first time, it was still new. I don't know. He realized he could see, but it was really new. And then his neighbors brought him, and I think they kind of made him mad. And he was like, man, these people won't leave me alone. And then the Pharisees got his parents. And he was like, great, they called mom and dad. Surely mom and dad will take up for me. Nope, threw him to the wolves. And I think at that point he had become kind of ticked off. And he was like, hey, listen, I didn't told you once. Why are you asking me again? Do you want to be the disciples too? We already know that, that God's not going to let somebody heal someone who's been born blind, never happened before. Here we are, living the dream. He is. He's legitimate. He literally is legitimate. And so that's when we see the verse 25. I was once blind, but now I see. And he got kicked out. Let's go on and read the rest of the chapter. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man answered, Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said. And here it is. And he worshipped Jesus. And then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they can see that they are blind. And some Pharisees who were standing by nearby heard this and said, Are you saying we're blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied. But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. Remember my story about Garth Brooks? I want to tell you two things to, to talk to you guys. I want to tell you two things that Jesus did. The first thing that Jesus did is Jesus fulfilled that which he claimed to be. I want to say that again. Jesus fulfilled that which he claimed to be. And you're like, okay, well, I know that. I mean, like he was healing and he, I know he, I mean, he was Christ. Of course he, no, you're not getting it. You see, because the placing of this story is not an accident. Because see, this story was, this is a case study. Chapter 9 is a case study from chapter 8. Chapter 9 is a case study from chapter 8. What did chapter 8 say? I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. In chapter 8, he says, I am the light of the world. And in chapter 9, I want you to get this, he delivered the light 
to the blind man. He was who he said he was. I want you to think about this for a second. Here's a man that is born in complete darkness. He literally has never seen the beauty of creation. He had never seen anything resembling a light. He literally has lived in darkness for his whole life. And Jesus comes along. And Jesus brings the literal light to his life. Suddenly, his eyes are open. And he can physically see the fullness of creation. Jesus, in chapter 9, did what he claimed to be in chapter 8. He fulfilled that which he came to do, but that's not all he did. See, if you left it at that, it would be a great story of a great miracle. It would be a great story of a great sign, but he didn't just do that. He did something else. Because I told you that, that Garth Brooks kind of met kind of quasi-expectations, but he really didn't. But the eagles, they far exceeded expectations. And when Jesus came, he too far exceeded expectation because he didn't just bring the light to the man's eyes. In John 9, chapter 35, uh, John 9, uh, verse 35 through 38, it says this. It says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. And yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. This is an incredible scene because not only did Jesus bring the light to his, light, to his eyes, he also brought the light to his heart. You see, the blind man is no different than you and I. He was born spiritually blind, and so were we. He was lost without hope, and so are we. He experienced Jesus, and hopefully so have we. And his eyes were open, both physical and spiritual, and I hope that so are we. You see, there was two healings that day. There were two healings. There was a physical healing, and there was a spiritual healing. Jesus exceeded the expectations. In Ephesians chapter 3, let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 3. It says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father. And then it goes on. The creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then, here it is, Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. And your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And it continues, and, and may you have the power to understand as of all God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is. And it continues, and may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand, and then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that come from God. Now, here it is, now all glory who is now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us, and this is the part I love, to accomplish infinitely more 
than we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. My question to you is simply this. Today, will you allow God to do exceedingly more than what you could ever believe or ask? You may say, well, how do I do that? Well, there's a word behind me on either side. And John 8.35 says it. The question is, do you believe in the Son of Man? Can you do like the blind man did and say, yes, Lord, I believe? Because I really think Jesus is asking us the same question. There may be a time whenever you have, you have said, you know what, I do believe. And maybe you've lost that fervor. Maybe the time is now for you to recommit. Maybe the time, you know, whenever I gave my life to Christ on February 18th, 1990, it was a Sunday night, and I still in my brain, even though the church is not even in existence anymore, I still in my brain have a flag planted in the middle of that aisle when I was walking down, and that's where I planted my flag for Christ, and I have never turned away from it. I've wanted to at times, but he wouldn't let me. And I planted my flag. And so when I think about my life, I think about my life up to February 18th, 1990. But by my, my real life, my real journey, my real life began February 18th, 1990. And that flag sits in the, in, in, in the early parts of my life. And I have moved forward from that. And at every turn, I have seen God do exceedingly more than I could ever ask or imagine. You want to know, know an example? Let me tell you an example. Whenever we first planted the church, all we wanted is, we were, we were looking for small little buildings to rent. There were concrete buildings that were about the size of my office now. Little bitty concrete buildings. And I was like, hey, we could probably fit 100 in here if everyone would squeeze together. Can you imagine just worshiping? Thank you, Lord. You know what I'm saying? And it was like, I mean, literally. And so I was like, this is all we really want. This is all we really want. You know, look, if we could just get into a small little brick building. Because in my mind, I was like, there's no way we'd ever have a building because I don't want to go into debt, and, and, you know, and, and you know, I'm looking around, and, and uh, I think that you know, God's brought everything we need as far as financially. It's just still in people's pockets, right? And so I was like, I was like well, we're going to be fine here at the school, and I didn't want to leave the school. As a matter of fact, I was the only one that did not want to leave the school. I wanted to stay there. And then finally took Wendy looking at me and saying, hey, listen, you've put godly men and women around you, and you trust them, right? I said, of course I trust them. They said, well, trust them this time, too. And I'm like, are you saying we need to leave the school? She goes, yes, we need to leave the school. All right. So we did. We left the school, and by faith we came over here. But all we wanted really to do is rent a building from, from, you know, starting at 7, 7.30 to practice, and then leave at 9 and come back at 11 and do our worship and then leave. That's all we really, that's all I thought. I was like, well, this is all it's going to be. And then seven years later, here we are. Can I tell you how exceedingly more this is? People that were with us when we planted, I mean, y'all, am I wrong here? Is this not exceedingly more than we ever thought or imagined? I mean, I'm looking around at some of you people. I mean, are you guys not blown away by that? Are you guys not just in awe? I drive on this campus and I'm going, man, I can't believe all this. And sometimes when things are not going well, it's always with the school, by the way. It's not with the church. When sometimes the things are not going well <laughs> with the school, <clears throat> Lynn and I, uh, we're, as we're getting ready to literally walk through the halls and strangle the first person we see, um, we sit down and we stop, and either Lynn says it or I say it. We say, hey, man, let's stop. Let's remember what God has done for us. Let's remember where we are. 
exceedingly more, exceedingly more than we could ever hope or imagine. Can I tell you a little secret? I'm nothing special. I hope I've shown you that. Can I get an amen for that? Or <laughs> I'm nothing special. You can, everybody's like, amen, I don't want to say it because it's awkward. But listen, God can do exceedingly more than you could ever hope or imagine. Can I tell you something else too? And, and, and this is something that I want to really start emphasizing here. It's one of the reasons we're doing pizza with the pastor. You know, we have, we have five people signed up for pizza with the pastor. But here's the thing, you guys. There's a lot of you guys that are here that need to just join our church. You know, don't serial date us. Just join us. Join us. We're family. If we're going to be family, I, I don't want you to sit outside at the kids' table. Are you with me? I want you to come in and join our church and be part of who we are. You know what I mean? Sign up for Pizza with the Pastor next week. I'll answer any questions. Or if you feel like God's calling you today, come on down. Listen, I can promise you this. It, it, God can speak through a donkey, and he is, he's, he is barely raising the standard to speak through me. Are you with me? And, and trust me, if he can do those two things, he can do anything. And all I'm asking you to do is get on the journey with us. Just get on the journey with us. I just think that he's doing something here that's amazing. And I think that I want to invite you to come join it with us. Does that make sense? He can do exceedingly more than you'll ever hope, think, or imagine. I mean, I, I saw my kid. I'm sorry, I know I'm on a, I'm, I'm on a soapbox. I can do it. I'm preaching. Um, I saw my kid who was, who, was, who was strung out on alcohol. And honestly, at times we were hopeless. I didn't have communication with her for several years. I thought I'd lost her. And I saw what God could do exceedingly more than I could ever hope or imagine. Exceedingly more than I could hope or imagine. I've seen what's happened in my own kid's life. Exceedingly more than I could ever hope or imagine. And I've seen what happens in your life. Can I tell you a cool story? Is Mitchell, is, is, is Mitchell here? Is Mitchell Davis here? He's in the back serving? Well, that's awesome in itself. Go up to Mitchell and say, hey, man, I can't wait to see you on the road because Mitchell Monday got certified to drive. He got his legs removed, but he's certified to drive. Is that amazing? Talk about overcoming. Talk about exceedingly more. He went from laying in a hospital bed thinking his life was over, and now he's back serving with the children. Y'all pray for him. I don't know how that's going to go, but he's back serving with the children. I'm just telling you. I've seen some of y'all come out of there like, never again, good Lord. Man, those Winslet kids will drive you crazy. Yes. Don't you get me started on you, RJ. Anyway, but y'all, just, we just want you to be part of our family, and we're, we just want to do exceedingly more. I just believe it, and I know that God did it for this man. I know he did. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for today. Thank you, God, for in my life, do exceedingly more than I can ever hope or imagine. God, we thank you for, for just blowing me away and and having me at all kinds of times saying, wow, why did I not believe? Why did I not have more faith? Why did I settle? Why did I not see that you are the Alpha and Omega? Why did I not see that you are the one that is the provider? Why did I not see that? God, you are an, you are an exceedingly more than we can hope or imagine God. And my prayer is, is that everyone here would embrace that. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.